Welcome to the season finale of Fashion Friday, the weekly show dedicated to helping you look, feel, and be your very best self. I'm your host, Khalif, like a leaf on a tree, and today I'm sitting down with psychologist Dr. Christopher Bass to discuss body image and how letting go taught me to love myself. Coming up next on an all-new Fashion Friday. Fashion Fridays with Khalif. Now tune into the greatest. Peace up, A-Town. Allow me to reintroduce myself. Welcome to the life-changing season finale of Fashion Fridays with Khalif. I am so excited to speak with my next guest because he is going to help you change your life for the better. So make sure you share this with all your friends and all your family on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all of that. All you have to do is click this little share button to the side and you can actually list, keep listening to me while you're sharing. So make sure you do that right now. I'm going to give you like two seconds. All right. Now, I'd like to just start off by introducing you to my next guest. He's a psychologist, clinician, scholar and national trainer. As a clinician, he serves a wide variety of clients ranging from children and adolescents to adults. And for the past 15 years, he served as a clinical professor of psychology in the Department of Psychology at Clark Atlanta University. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Fashion Fridays, Dr. Christopher K. Bass. Welcome. How are you today? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Very well. Uh, happy New Year. Happy. Is, is it still the New Year? But yes, it is still the New, New Year. Year. I forgot yes, about that. Yes, yes. I'm happy to be here. I'm so. Um, how am I doing today? I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. That's the that part. The, that part. That's what <laughs> yeah. They always say, right? Well, I am so excited to have you here for the season finale of Fashion Fridays. Today, we're talking about body image, body shaming, and how letting go taught me to love myself. But before we even get into that subject matter, would you just mind reintroducing yourself to the listeners and who you are, what you do, and your educational background? Absolutely. Uh, My name is Christopher Bass, and I am a psychologist by training. I'm also serving as an associate professor of psychology at Clark Atlanta University in the Department of Psychology, where I teach human sexuality. I also teach theories of personality. I teach senior seminar and I teach a variety of other little courses. So I've been here for about 15 years. Um, from an educational standpoint, I'm an alum of Clark Atlanta University All right. and left here in 1992, went up to the University of Wisconsin where I earned the master's degree in psychology and then ultimately the PhD in psychology. Left there, did my uh, postdoc internship at Hopkins and then went on to uh, Virginia where I had an opportunity to start a practice and also teach a little bit at um, Hampton University. Left Hampton and then I came down here to Atlanta where I assumed the position of psychologist for the city of Atlanta, working with police officers and firefighters and city employees and things like that. Got a little tired of that and came on back home to my alma mater, Clark Atlanta University. That's right. And here I am. Wow. Well, not to toot your own horn for you but how many years in a row have you been voted the number one right professor oh professor of the year because everybody loves dr bass i don't i've never met anyone who's had anything bad to say about dr bass Mm, ever well i'm blessed i say blessed and highly favored um 12 years in a row 12 in a row in a row that's that's 
Oh, that's, that's, that speaks for itself. Yeah. You know, this year I'm going to take myself out of contention because there's so many good professors here right. at Clark Atlanta University. And when I get awarded those, you know, awards, I always say, no, 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 it's not just me. You know, I represent other people and there's so many dynamic professors here with varying stories and, and intellect and presentation styles. So I'm just humbled by it all. Wow. Because I haven't had Dr. Bass since what? I was a freshman, you were a freshman. but on, I keep voting every year for Dr. B. I'm <laughs> like, you. it's just a, this is as good as it gets. It's It doesn't get much better than Dr. Bass. But now that we've talked about that, I'd just like to discuss what is your definition for body image? Like, how would you define that from your um, expert opinion? Body image. Body image is pretty much how you view yourself. Okay. Now, some theorists would say how you view yourself and then others would say how you view yourself as a sexual being okay but just for the sake of just you know a blanket statement let's just say how you view yourself which is highly related to Hmm. Mm self-esteem but self-esteem of how you look your body okay versus you as an overall person so when it comes to like positive body image Mm -hmm. versus body shaming how do we distinguish between the two? Because sometimes someone may say to you, um, you look like you're putting on a little extra weight and it may be received a little differently. So what are the differences between the two? Because they sometimes clash. True. Well, positive body images is, of course, the opposite of negative body images. Correct. And we typically talk more about negative body images in the media and so forth. But positive body images is thinking positively about yourself. Uh, thinking positively about uh, how you represent out in the world. Now, body shaming is typically what other people do to you versus what you do to yourself. So body shaming, we don't typically get there alone. We get there Mm -hmm. with the help of society, whereas positive body image and negative body image comes from us. So it's an internal versus external comparison. So even with... um body shaming sometimes would you say a lot of people are their biggest critics when it comes to their own bodies a statistic that came out last year that was really uh shocking and when i tell people this statistic they always say really and the statistic is this about 80 percent of the u.s population has low esteem hmm. only about 20 percent has good and healthy esteem of self so what is considered a good and healthy well it might sometimes seem black and white, like this is good, this is. But mm-hmm. what would you? How would you say a person's self-esteem? Well, what would you call a good self-esteem for a person? A good self-esteem is someone who consistently thinks positively of themselves. Okay. Now let's differentiate self-esteem from self-efficacy. Self-esteem is how you view yourself. Self-efficacy is the belief in what you are able to do. Mm. So, for example, if I believe that I'm a good teacher, then that wouldn't be self-esteem. That would be more self-efficacy. Okay. Okay. So going backwards just a step, when we talk about self-esteem and that 20% that has it, these are people who typically are, uh, I don't want to say captains of industry, but they don't allow other people's opinions of them to interfere with how they view themselves. Wow. That's amazing. It's amazing. But remember what I said, only 20%. So for the other 80%, they're led by that 20%. And the 80 percent strives to compare themselves to that 20 percent. So how do we well, that actually leads into what I was actually about to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, How does the 80 percent 
be more conscious and more aware of uh, the 20 percent and how they view things, not just look to them as a as a guideline, but as a of a goal for themselves, like a personal goal. So for myself, I used to kind of have I talked about this last week. um, I used to have this negative perception about my body and my legs because I'm not the most muscular built person or anything Mm -hmm. and i used to say things that were really negative towards myself i used Mm -hmm. to say my legs are shaped like two pigs Mm. and i actually used to wear four five pairs of pants underneath one pair of pants and i would layer it in a way to make myself look like i was bigger Mm. so i i've learned at least i'm learning if i'm learning correctly Mm -hmm. to just come off that because when i went in the airport they were looking (laughs) at me like We've never seen this before. And I've actually, I did it twice. The first time, it was like, what? And then the second time, he was like, aren't you the same guy that had... So that's when it clicked in my head. I was like, something's something's not right with this picture. Mm-hmm. But how would you say, well, what, are you, what do you think are some good exercises and tools people can use towards building a more positive body image for themselves? That's great. Great question. I would say that that 80% needs to stop comparing themselves to the 20%. Because when the 80% conforms and believes that the 20% who already believe that they have good esteem, Mm -hmm. if we begin or they begin to compare themselves to the 20%, then that's when we have all types of issues. You have to be cognizant of who you're comparing yourself to. So the the danger zone is when you start comparing yourself. Absolutely. So you mentioned a minute ago in a moment of transparency that you looked at your legs like, um, toothpicks. Yes. Right. I used to call them the number 11. And I used to, <laughs> I used to just beat myself up about it. And then I started doing things um, positive towards them. I actually started exfoliating my legs, just mm-hmm. being kind to myself because in relationships with other people, if someone were to talk about us the way we talk about ourselves, sometimes a lot of us would just be out the door. Mm-hmm. So if we can just leave that negative image and negative perception of ourselves that it comes into our mind outside of our brains, mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of us could really benefit. Well, let me ask you, is there anybody in your family who you look like? Do you have your mother's legs or your father's legs or your grandma's legs or your grandpa's legs or your uncle or your aunt's legs? Have you ever seen your legs in your family? No, I've never. Never. So nobody looks like you. I mean, my mother has some beautiful legs. Mm-hmm. My, I don't think I've ever seen my father in a pair of shorts. <laughs> okay. Now, I bet you five bucks, and we're not betting on this thing. Right. But I would bet you that if you saw your father in shorts, you would see your own legs. Probably in a different form, but mm-hmm. you would see your own legs. I had to, you know what? I Try, try it. I, I, I probably have to look at a different image because he put on a lot of weight since okay. I was a child. But now that I think about it, when I look back on his older pictures, mm-hmm. we were both very skin, naturally very skinny people. But mm-hmm. now that you mention it, I've never really looked at it through that lens, per se. Yeah. Look at your dad when he was your age mm-hmm. and look at his legs and you'll see yourself. This is my concern. And I deal with students all the time who come to me and say, Dr. Bass, I'm overweight. Or Dr. Bass, I don't feel good about myself. Or Dr. Bass, let me try this new diet. I'm going to change and transform myself with New Year's resolutions. And and I say, well, hold on for a second. Understand that the way the body works is the more you exercise and the more you change yourself. You can go through the keto challenge. You can go through the intermittent fasting diet. You can Mm -hmm. do all these things. And your body will react to those things. But as soon as you stop, your body will go yeah. back to its set point. 
and its set point is based on heredity. So you have to understand and appreciate who you are mm -hmm. is who you are. Right. And you're not comparing yourself to the 20 percent. So what would you say is the difference between um, the phenomenon of how women view their bodies versus mm -hmm. how men view their bodies? Because women, the subject of body image for women is always talked about mm -hmm. on shows like uh, The Real, The View, mm -hmm. um, but as far as men, mm -hmm. well, there's not really many talk shows on television with men on, yeah, with men on them, mm -hmm. but men don't really talk about the way they feel about their bodies. It's like, if you don't, if you aren't muscular, it's not very admirable. And mm -hmm. in, in the 80, oh, in the 80%'s mind, mm -hmm. but um, maybe the 20% has something different to say about that. You know, what's funny about the 20%, the 20% isn't looking at the 80%. Hmm. The only folks that are looking at each other is the 80 percent looking at the other 80%. it's not like a two-way street at no all. Wow. no those in the 20 percent don't care about the 80 percent because they're sure of who they are they're not comparing themselves up or down to anyone else it's the 80 percent that's trying to conform so it's not a two-way street so how do you get to that place because i honestly i tell myself certain things sometimes and i try to believe them and i try to develop them so i I used to slash still sometimes say that my body is my body. And I start with that as the um, the guidelines for how I view beauty. Mm -hmm. I say anything outside of that is an extension of that. But as far as how I look at my my face, my I always say it's beautiful no matter what it is, because Good. it's just who I am as mm -hmm. a person. So is that that's a 20 percent mindset? Mm -hmm. That's a 20 percent mindset. Because that's honestly that's why I stopped going not stop going i've never liked going to the gym but that's why i don't really go and cater to a gym setting you know yes my legs they're very skinny so sometimes they're really 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 sore at the end of the day but i can do that combat that by maybe getting some better shoes but as far as wanting to look muscular and all this stuff yes when i see it on social media it's like okay that's nice but look at myself in the mirror a mm -hmm. few times without clothes on or mm -hmm. something and just start to look at it because a lot of people when they get in front of the mirror and they see themselves naked and just stand there for they can't stand there for like more than 10 minutes mm -hmm. or so because mm -hmm. it's such a novelty to look at your own body. But, true, true. Well, well, you mentioned something. You asked me a question about the standard of beauty mm -hmm. and why that standard is really focused upon by women. But now we're starting to see this turn where men are starting to focus on their bodies as well. Mm -hmm. Well, there's this shift going on right now in American society. And men are really moving away from the intellect, which we've always been pushed to focus on. Intellect and the ability to provide. Mm. Now what we're doing is as we push away from that idea is we're beginning to look at ourselves and our images as being attractive mm -hmm. to not only women, but other men. So with that being said, there comes in that whole new focus on why men are now starting to look at themselves mm -hmm. and compare themselves to, like I mentioned, 20 percent. So I like what you said earlier about a 20% mindset. Mm -hmm. So I like the year 2020. Let's mm, for 2020, yeah. let's do a 20% Hashtag mindset. 20% mindset. 20%. So what would you say are some exercises? Um, I gave a list of exercises last week of like pampering yourself, going mm. to the nail salon. Mm -hmm. Because I've discovered, okay, not to be too honest with people. Okay, they're just going to have to get it how they get it. So I'm in a relationship right mm -hmm. now. And I would say I've discovered how to love myself better based on receiving proper love, like mm -hmm. um, eating food 
is loving yourself. Absolutely. Because uh, a lot of people don't eat throughout the day. Going to the movies mm -hmm. by yourself is mm -hmm. a form of loving yourself. Yes. Even just buying yourself certain things. Mm -hmm. Making your bed. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, the weirdest thing happened. I remember there was a particular day and my bed was made for me. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, okay, you just made the bed for me. Thank mm -hmm. you. But then I looked at how well and neatly they made the bed. And it felt like such an action of love. And I never thought of making the bed as an action of love mm. towards myself. So now when I start and my, start my day, I don't leave my room on most days without at least making my bed because even my mother has said to me, she's a um, psychotherapist. Oh. She said, um, it's your first win, a chance to win your day. It's the first part of your day that you have control over to that's win. Right. So that's been kind of my attitude towards things of that nature. But what other things do you think men should get in the habit of doing just to show themselves a little bit more love, a lot of bit more love? Because we're the only people on this planet who are exclusively responsible for loving ourselves. Am I true? True. So what are some things? Well, one thing that I can do is to be or suggest is to become a natural scientist. You know, if you hear a voice in your head challenging you about what you think about yourself, if it feels good, run with it. Hmm. If it doesn't feel good, change the channel. Oh. And so we say change the channel in 2020. If you don't like the song that's being played, you don't have to dance to it. Hmm. My mom always used to say, you can go to any party, including a pity party. You can go there, but you don't have to stay there. Mm -hmm. If you stay there, then that's on you. So that's number one, becoming a natural scientist, begin to understand the voices in your own head and then finding out where those voices and where those critiques come from. And if they're not sound, mm. then eliminate them. I actually just, um, I literally took two days out of the break because I took a class over the break. So I really didn't get much of a break, mm. but I took two days for Khalif and I did research about how to love myself, how to let go of some, mm. um, um, What's it called? Baggage. Uh, yeah, baggage. And um, what is it called when you can't let go of um, abandonment? Oh, issues. abandonment. Okay. Yes, because I grew up without my, well, grew up with and without my father. Mm -hmm. So I had those issues. And I was noticing that all the issues pertaining to those issues were starting to affect other areas of my life negatively. Mm -hmm. And it was, I felt like it was leading me down a road of just self-sabotage mm -hmm. in all other areas. And... Just taking two days to work on myself, I learned um, a few steps and tips from Iyanla Van Zandt. She has this oh, video called Let Go, um, How to Let Go or something mm -hmm. like that online. And she said, don't allow any thought in your mind that will send you down like a spiral. Mm -hmm. And just saying that to myself every day, like sometimes I'm a little nervous to do an interview or something. Duh, let it let it out my mind. Yeah. Kick that out my That's mind good. really fast because... There are certain times where you can be your own worst enemy mm -hmm. and you can psych yourself in or out of your own success as a individual. Yes. And I just as being 21, my journey of, in life and everything, I've learned just a few things about how to do life a little bit better. Mm. Because a lot of us do go through life feeling like we're alone. True. And that's OK sometimes to mm -hmm. be alone mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't know what to do with themselves. That's true. And I'm here to say, just love yourself hmm. because. But love yourself the right way. The right way. Because there's so many. Yes. We're taught love wrong yes. from jump. We now get spankings. Yes. We get um, cussed out mm -hmm. and snatched up by our mm -hmm. parents and grandparents. And I, uh, 
isolated. We call it timeout. Time. Right? So many different things. In we're not even taught communication. No. From the way we're, I guess, abused mm-hmm. and uh, punished. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're not perfect, you're going to be punished. Right. If you do something bad at school, punished. Versus talking. This is um, not a good way to do this because this doesn't. This, yes. We're not even taught that. So yes. Through doing my own research and through discovering certain aspects about myself and how we all as humans exist in this world because i've even let go of the whole men don't do this Mm. men don't do this men don't do that and i talked about that in a uh early on in the season i think it was episode three about toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. and just letting go of stigmas in my mind and letting go of hurt Mm -hmm. i guess from the past Mm -hmm. but um what I've discovered is this whole DBT thing. Have you heard yeah. of this? Dialectical Behavioral Therapy? Yes. Absolutely. I only know the acronym because I never am able to say it. But... Marsha Lenahan. Mm-hmm. What is it called? Marsha Lenahan is the author of the DBT method. Okay. Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. Because um, what's her name? Lady Gaga and Oprah did an interview. Did you see that interview? I did not. They did an interview and she was basically talking about her, um, what does she have? It's where your whole body, you feel pain, but it's people can't, they can't identify a source. It's pretty much mm. in your brain. Oh, somatic disorders somatic hypochondriac they all fall up under the class of somatic or somatoform disorders that means that you feel pain but there is no physical cause right it's all psychological have you had any personal struggles which i'm sure you probably have um (laughs) as an adult with body image and not even just how you look but your own self-confidence because when people see you they see dr bass i remember in class one time you said um, I'm not going to say the word, but yeah, I don't think I could say the word, the N word. Uh-huh. Uh, people don't call you that because there's a certain level of, of respect you Reference. have for yourself. Absolutely. Versus other people calling it. Because I, that word, when I hear people say it to me, mm-hmm. I never receive it the, like the way they may intend it. What's up, my, in- I don't mm-hmm. never received it like that. Mm-hmm. So what, what has been your process and what has been your journey to loving yourself and not just accepting yourself because I always compare it to um, if I'm in a relationship with someone because mm-hmm. we do have a relationship with ourselves. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if I'm in a relationship with someone and um, they say, I just accept you for who you are, you know what you do, you have your things, you do this. I wouldn't want to be with someone like that. I'd mm-hmm. much rather prefer someone say, I love you and um, I care about you and this and that versus just accepting for who I am type of thing. Mm. Because it was easy for me to say, well, my legs are skinny and ugly, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. But when I posted my flyer for uh, this week, I showed it to one of my friends and I said, um, what's the first thing you see on this flyer? And they said some beautiful legs. Mm. And that was the first time I'd ever heard. Ooh, have heard mm. anyone say my legs were beautiful. Mm. I've heard skinny. I've heard scrawny. I've heard ugly. I've heard. Mm pretty much anything in the book but that was the first time and it was like wow i'm trying not to cry no it's okay yeah but you know what's funny is that i can pick up this device right here in my hand and i could call it one thing you can call it something totally different but we view this thing and we define this thing from our own lenses and our own background Mm -hmm. now you asked me about how i view myself or have i ever as an adult looked at my own body image differently And how did I get to be, quote unquote, Dr. Bass? Well, underneath the whole Dr. Bass thing is Chris Bass. Hmm. And Chris Bass has a story like everyone else's story, whether my story dealt with fathers not being there or mothers not being there or substance abuse in the home or 
growing up in poverty or a time growing. I mean, so many different stories that we all bring to the table as adults. Mm -hmm. And of course, we would be it would be ridiculous and it would be immature for me to say that those earlier stories in life didn't affect how I view myself today. Now, I'm going to tell something to you and your listeners that I've never told before. Mm. When I was at Clark Atlanta University many, many moons ago, I was this very shy person. I know. I was this very shy person, and my grades, I graduated with a 2.6 GPA. So I wasn't the best student. When I came back here to Clark Atlanta University, as a full-grown man, I have doctorates and I have all of this professional experience and I've done this and done. I still felt a sense of low self-esteem. I walked on campus and I felt nervous to talk to people. I felt like I had this need to prove myself mm. constantly. So I, you know, I tell the story of when I was a freshman and I did this whole sea bass and, you know, all of that great stuff that I experienced. But all of that stuff was just a reaction to brokenness. Wow. When I was a child, I was sexually abused because I was sexually abused. I spent the first several years of my undergrad experience doing things that I should not have done. But it was just in reaction to my earlier life story. So as an adult, if you continue to live out or react to earlier life stories and it's not productive or beneficial to your life, you have to at some point stop yourself and say, hey, mm -hmm. slap yourself and say, no, I'm not doing what I need to do as an adult. I'm still in something called arrested development. I'm still acting like the age that I was when I had the traumatic event. Now, if your father wasn't there in your life and let's say he left at five or six, at 20, are you acting like a five or six year old when you get stressed out? More than likely, there's some five and six year old tendencies because you are stuck right there. Mm -hmm. You need to at 24, 25 to go back to that five year old and say, OK, five year old Chris, five year old computer, five year old whatever. I love you and you are good enough wow. and you are going to be fine. Let me hold you and get you up to seven and eight and 10 and 15 and 20 until your chronological age meets your mental age. And then you can progress. Now, when you just broke down those ages, mm -hmm. it just, I don't know who else did it for, but for me, it just made me realize there have been portions of my life affected heavily by the absence of my own father. Mm -hmm. I would even say so far as the relationships I've had with other people, and I used to um, kind of be babyish around other people. I would be very, um, how would I describe it? Clingy. Mm -hmm. I would just be like, oh, I don't want you to leave. I don't mm. want you to leave. It was just like, don't leave me. Mm -hmm. And me trying to deal with that still, like to this day, still trying to deal with it. And to be even more honest and candid, I might as well say it. But I don't. I've currently blocked the relationship between my father and myself mm. because I recognize that we had a very toxic relationship mm -hmm. and the relationship we had was all built in me trying to convince the person to love me. Yes. And in that process, I was thinking, everybody says you need a father. You need a mm. father in life. Boys need their fathers in their mm. life. And then I was thinking, well, do I? Mm. Does Khalif need his father in his life? Is his father beneficial to his life? Or is he a person who causes uh, confusion and strife and just 
and so that that letting go of that portion helps me start to work on me for a change because i was so concerned about the relationship and building the relationship with him and it just was like what about khalif wow that's strong because a lot of people feel like you just have to have your father Mm -hmm. well you you don't and there are ways i feel like to do research we have google Mm -hmm. just to do research on how to be a better you true because i was so concerned on how to be a better son mm-hmm. and the thing was i was already good enough Ooh, yes you were and yes you are yes absolutely now what i don't want you to do in your adult relationships is find yourself holding on and begging your partner to mm-hmm. stay with you because you don't want your partner to leave like you believe your dad left mm-hmm. so if you're still acting like that five-year-old seven-year-old in your relationships then i say hold it Mm. Turn on that scientist hat because you're still reacting to that particular time in your life. You're not a child anymore. And this is what I would say to my younger self, my 18 year old self. You're not a child anymore. Now you're an adult. So you're expected to treat people like you are an adult. Mm -hmm. If your dad came to you and I'm jumping into your story just a little bit. If your dad came to you and said things to you that were disparaging or something that was critical to you. As a 21-year-old, you shouldn't respond like you were seven or eight. I think that's how I And if you did, then that means that you have some work to do at that seven, eight-year-old Khalif. Mm. Not the 21-year-old because you haven't gotten there yet. You need to go back to that young person who's still trapped and deal with him, heal him, love him, work on him. And then that way, when you get 22, you'll see a totally different person looking back at you. So what would you say the work, the work that people, well, not people, including myself, because I feel like I'm a part of this generation where fathers just abandoned their, well, not generation. It's It's been for like for, yeah. years, mm-hmm. decades. Fathers just get up and leave and mm-hmm. never come back, go out, the story of going out for milk and never mm-hmm. coming back. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it it's beneficial, but it's also hurtful because you get a generation who tries to do the reverse, the exact reverse of what their parents did. Absolutely. And they try to reverse uh, love and everything, and everything is overdone. And there's sometimes I feel like a little hurt and harm done with that. Mm-hmm. Because um, there's, just for an example, if if I wanted to be a singer growing up or mm-hmm. something, which is not my story, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want that lifestyle. But if that were my story, and I never, uh, well, actually it used to be, but, If I'm like, oh, no one ever came to my recitals or Mm. no one ever did this. And then I force my child into that. Mm. I think that's where like we we get a little a lot of positive, but we get a lot of negatives from it as well. Trying to do good. We do more harm than good sometimes with our own kids. Not that I have kids, but I just just reflecting on (laughs) myself and on other things as, as well. But we overcompensate. We overcompensate. So we say we're going to do things better than that person who hurt me. But what you're doing is you're repeating a pattern, maybe not the exact same pattern that that person who hurt you did, but your own pattern of confusion that Mm -hmm. you're putting on your child or your partner. So you have to be really cognizant of who you are and what you're doing and what you're reacting to. So if I were to say anything about today's topic, I would say reaction Mm -hmm. is the key. If you're reacting to how you see yourself in the mirror, if you're reacting negatively to who you believe yourself to be, then you have to begin to understand and do the hard work and say, where did this come from? 
Why do I look mm. at myself so negatively? Now, if you look at yourself positively, then we don't have a problem. Right. But if you look at yourself negatively, where did this stem from? Have I always looked at myself in this way? Mm. That's it, a question I asked actually last week. I said, who told you you were ugly? Yes. Who told you that your body was wrong? Yes. Like I've heard people, uh, I used to even say things so, like I'm thinking I kind of was toxic to myself. Mm -hmm. I used to say that my, I had a BMW body, body made wrong. Oh my goodness. And okay. looking back on that, that wasn't more than maybe three or four months ago. Mm. And honestly, the real work started maybe about four weeks, two, three or four weeks ago. Good for and you. I feel like the expectation that it's all good, like you, there's this one step that you have to do. I feel like people don't understand sometimes. It's may take a year. Yes. But if you're if you're doing the wrong thing for two years, trying mm -hmm. to get uh, the right result, mm -hmm. it's not kind of it's really not helpful. Mm, absolutely. So just making sure I'm receiving the right information from the right people. Yes. Not just um, looking for the um, well, not um, accept. Yeah, more the acceptance of parents, but mm -hmm. starting to look outside at uh, people like Yolanda Vincent, mm -hmm. people like Dr. Vaz. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. But just learning to love ourselves the right way, I yes. think, is the the key that I'm that we're really stressing today. Mm -hmm. Now, if you find yourself angry when you think about your past relationships or your earlier life, if you find yourself angry, understand that anger is just a buildup of hurt. Anger mm. doesn't create itself by itself. It's just hurt on top of hurt on top of disappointment, which creates anger. So there's a test. There's a litmus test right there. If you find yourself frustrated and angry when you think about your father or when you think about other things, see, there's a trigger. Mm. I'm being hurt. I'm, I'm reacting to something. Because I've even noticed sometimes when I get angry, specifically, honestly, even though this is a show specifically for men, mm -hmm. my conversations I've noticed with men are very like I'm more likely to speak with women than I am to speak with men. And that's that was the initial challenge also of starting a show for men. Because mm. it's like, who's going to listen to me when I don't normally talk to men outside of my own show? I see. But it was it was this whole show has been a journey of helping myself and while I'm helping myself, help, helping other people along the way. Because I started off talking about suits because there were things I didn't know because I didn't have the training or teaching. But mm. I said, there, how, how, how old am I going to be? Am I going to get to 50 and say, I didn't grow up with my dad in my life. I don't right. know this and that. It's time to just not father myself, but do the research for myself for what wasn't there. And yes, I grew up without him, but not completely. Mm -hmm. So the when I feel like, oh, I wish I could, I would rather text my dad right now and just be like, start the whole cycle of up and down, mm -hmm. up and down. I, I'd say to myself, I appreciate the relationship we had, but I know that relationship is not good for me. Good. So it's helpful to just stop the cycle mm -hmm. because every other year, it's Khalif likes his father. Khalif is, he's my hero. Then it's like, oh, he's my worst nightmare and everything. Let me say one thing about that very, very quick. Very, very quick. What you described with creating this show was positive self-medication. Mm. Now, there's a lot of self-medication that people do when they're in pain or they're hurt. Some people self-medicate with drugs. Mm. Some people self-medicate with sex. Some people self-medicate with relationships. Some people self-medicate with eating. People self-medicate with a variety of things. But if your self-medication drugs, if your self-medication isn't helping and promoting you, mm -hmm. then it's not the right thing. 
It's very toxic. What you just described that you're doing is very beneficial. And I wish that more people would do the research, create wonderful platforms like this to not only affect themselves, but affect that brother who's sitting wondering about himself. Right. And his relationship with his father. Kudos to you. In a million years of therapy, you're doing exactly what I'm doing. Wow. Thank you. Absolutely. Originally, I wanted to be everybody else but Khalif. Mm. And the show started, and for the consistent listeners, they may have heard it. The show started off with Khalif trying to get information for himself without looking like he was clueless. There were just things I never learned as a kid growing up that I wanted to know, and that was the original goal. Then I wanted to talk with everyone in fashion, Mm. which went away from my goal of -hmm. Fashion Fridays. My goal of the show has never been fashion, 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 fashion. It's been to help other people Mm. because I feel like people have helped me. So it's my duty to help anyone else. Anytime someone asks me advice about how do you do a radio show? How do you do a podcast? I tell them what the truth. And if they don't do it, they don't do it. But if they do, I'm not intimidated if they get on the radio next week Mm -hmm. because no one has these stories that I have. No one knows Khalif better than Khalif. So if I focus on doing fashion only mm-hmm. and giving it to people in this uh, robotic way, mm-hmm. the show's never going <laughs> to jump off the ground. Right. But if I give them Khalif's story, which is what I do now, that's how people relate to me now. That's good. People have literally waved to me and I've been like, hi. I was like, do I know you? And they're mm-hmm. like, you're Fashion Fridays. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel famous. But <laughs> it's, a good it, le- feeling. It, it is a good feeling mm-hmm. to know that I'm actually reaching people. Mm-hmm. Because the goal is never, for me, is never just to be, oh, I have a show. I want to help people there at the go. end of the day. Because my purpose here, I feel like it's just to help myself. And by helping myself, I'm helping other people. There you go. So Now, you know what? You said something there in terms of fashion. One of the biggest fashion icons right now today is Billy Banks. And he's out there doing wonderful things. He's wearing different, you know, outfits to various award shows. You mean Billy Porter? Billy Porter. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I said Banks. I'm sorry. I didn't know who Billy Banks was. I just kept my mouth shut. I was like, Billy Banks. (laughs) My bad. My bad. But Billy Porter. Porter. Billy Porter. uh, He did an interview, uh, gosh, about six to eight months ago. And what he said in there is the, the things that he wears. It's just an extension of his personality. Mm -hmm. So while he may be seen as this fashion guru and this fashion icon, he's really through fashion Mm -hmm. helping people. Right. Showing them who he really is. So maybe that's sort of your niche, too. Yeah. We call it fashion, Fashion Fridays. But what you're doing is something so much bigger. Yes. Than just talking about fashion. It's bigger than the clothes you wear. It's so much bigger than the clothes you wear. I think we've talked about everything and mm-hmm. even got into the fatherless part, mm-hmm. which I really want to talk about because I feel like when you look up things online about being a father or son, especially a, a black son mm-hmm. who has not had his father in his life, they're just so sometimes few resources. It's either he was in jail right. or he was. And that just wasn't my case. I always tell people I was supposed to be the Huxtables. Mm-hmm. We were a perfect family. Everyone mm-hmm. was like, you you guys were the perfect family and everything. I, I was two when they got a divorce. Mm-hmm. But. I always had tried to have this picture-perfect image. Everything was supposed to be Khalif is perfect, Khalif is perfect, Khalif. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just like, Khalif is sometimes a hot mess, and Khalif is learning how to cool that down and how to be a better person versus how do I be, how do I walk like a man, or mm. how, do, how do I do this like a man versus mm. how do I be a better human being? Absolutely. Well, you know what? When asked to a group of men, quote-unquote, what are the characteristics of manhood, 
nobody can give the same answer mm-hmm. because it's very, really, really, really subjective. You know, manhood, if we get away from all of the adult things that quote unquote men should do, men are strong, men are decisive, men take care of their responsibilities, men fill in the blank. Okay. Mm-hmm. We can ask women what describes a woman, and they will say, women are decisive, women take care of their families. Everything that men describe manhood is, mm-hmm. women will do the same thing. So it's, really no difference in how we all talk about each other, but we're really talking about adult Mm. behavior. As an adult, you take care of your responsibilities. As an adult, you make sure that your decisions are accurate and decisive Mm -hmm. and intentional. As an adult, that has nothing to do with masculinity or femininity. All of those are social constructs. And as social constructs, they will vary. Mm -hmm. So when you say you wonder, how to walk like a man and how to talk like a man. You define that. Right. Because I used to, before I started the show, I'm glad I got rid of it because I could. I could do a very deep voice sometimes. Uh, and that doesn't sound real. People right. people can spot a fake radio yes, person. Can. And I want it to be that so bad. Then I say, you know what? I'm going to throw my voice out trying to do all that. Mm-hmm. So just learning to be myself completely. This show has really taught me who Khalif is. Good. I started off maybe a little bit more confused but i knew who i was still mm-hmm. but i didn't know the totality of who i was gotcha. and now going into season two which is like two weeks away mm-hmm. i am just like i can put put forth a better version of khalif fashion fridays with khalif good and just be able to separate between who i used to be and who i'm becoming yes and that's the goal of mankind yes. you know our brain changes every seven minutes so who we were when we started this interview mm-hmm. is not who we are right now. Right. Our brain physiologically has changed. And if you're not 25 yet, your brain is still continuing to change at rates that my brain has started to slow down. You don't stop being a adolescent until you're 25. That's oh, I, when your brain stops that. And a um, class that I was taking, they were saying <laughs> that. Um, now this is a little off topic, but they were saying that it's a little cruel and unusual to sentence to sentence men and under the age of twenty five because mm-hmm. the brain hasn't fully developed Absolutely. until about twenty five. Mm-hmm. And actually, the the way the prison system is set up, the average age that um pe- men are in prison is that age range of eighteen to thirty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that includes that whole twenty five, mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. you're still changing, you're still mm-hmm. growing, you're still trying to figure it all out. So where you are right now at 21, you're right where you need to be. That's the, that's I literally say that to myself every day because I, I look back on my life and I say, if I hadn't gone through this, mm-hmm. where would I be now? Absolutely. What lessons if I would have missed, if I wouldn't have lost. Oh, this is I've never said this out loud, but um, mm-hmm. if I wouldn't have lost my grandfather, mm-hmm. the only man who was consistent in my life. And that really started a spiral for me. Mm-hmm. If I wouldn't have lost that, where would I have been now? Mm. because I'm looking back and thinking of all the progress I've grown as an individual not mm-hmm. just because not just the grieving process because it was a huge loss for me and I couldn't talk to anyone about it or anything mm-hmm. but seeing where I wouldn't have been if I wouldn't have attempted suicide in high school okay if I wouldn't have been in a psych ward mm-hmm. and all of that crazy things which I'm telling I'm not telling too much I'm telling it like it is that's the and that's truth. the only way I can do it but mm-hmm. I'm just like, everything we go through leads us to the point we are now. And the point we are now is going to lead us to our future. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. 
Well, thank you. Let so me say much. one more oh, thing, real quick, okay. as we as we wrap, or as you wrap. Can you still hear your grandfather? Yeah, you can still hear him. I don't want to cry. Wait. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. What would he say to you, looking at you today? What would he say? And you can hear him in his voice, right? Because when we lose people who are really, really close to us, if we really think and concentrate, we can still hear what they would say to us. Maybe it's a normal saying that they would always say. Maybe it was a laugh. Maybe it was, you name it, a joke that they always told. Mm -hmm. But you could still do it. You could still hear them. You really can. I don't know if I could say it out loud. You don't have to. I literally you know hear it, it though. Yeah. You can hear it. And that's fine. That's good enough. Continue to grow, my brother. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Yes. That's all for me. Well, thank you so much for coming on to. See, I didn't forgot what my whole. See, normally I have my whole little. I forgot what I was going to say at the end. What's my normal? Thank you for joining us today <laughs> on Fashion Fridays. There were three people I had in mind when I started this show. It was uh, the person I interviewed, Cuds and I. And then it was Dr. Bass. Mm. And then the third person has yet to be on my show. And that will be in the future. I will tell you afterwards because okay. that's my dream, dream interview. But mm. thank you so much for being here. Like, this is my honor. I couldn't have imagined this going any. I couldn't have imagined this. This has been phenomenal. So thank you so much for being here. My honor. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Well, as always, you guys know, fashion is art and art is subjective. So don't be afraid to try new things. Now, you've been listening to Fashion Fridays with Khalif. For more information on Fashion Fridays, follow us on all social media platforms at Fashion Fridays with Khalif. That's Fashion Fridays with K-A-L-E-A-L.